0: You're listening to 128, a podcast about spiritual maturity, real people, real talk, real life. Hey everyone, welcome to 128, based on Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, which says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. In this episode, we talk with Mike and Diana Waldron. You're going to enjoy this interview. I know I enjoyed having it. Um, There's some real gems uh, that you're going to want to pay attention to. Maybe get a a pen or a paper out or get your notes app out on your iPhone as you listen to uh, God speaking uh, through Mike and Diana. So without much further ado, let's get into it. Well, it's my honor to sit at the table with Mike and Diane Waldron. Hello. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, wow, fall decor is already out, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Mm-hmm. For, very exciting.
1: For 15 minutes to to
0: for the last know, 15 yes, minutes. Yes, for only 15 <laughs> minutes has been out. <laughs> uh, some mm-hmm. of uh, some of our listeners may not know Mike and Diana, and I'm so glad that they're going to have an opportunity to get you to, to know you guys better. These are really wonderful, uh, spiritually mature believers. Have been involved in all kinds of aspects of church life, uh, everything from discipleship to missions, uh, serving in college uh, area with teens. Raised three daughters, two of whom are married, <laughs> one's in <laughs> college, um, and, and so uh, I'm excited for everyone getting to hear your journey of faith, and then also just to glean some insights from it that maybe people can apply to their own, to wherever they're at on their journey. Because, you know, the truth is when you're when you're immersed in something. In a certain season, it feels like it's never ending and you'll never get through it. And then you uh, find that there is an other side to that journey. Um, but even spiritually mature people, one of the things that, that that we discover is, you know, we all face our own challenges. That doesn't necessarily make life easier, but it does give us a greater perspective. And so I'm just so excited for everyone to meet you guys. So um, talk to me just real quick. How long have you two been married now?
2: I do you know? 28, 28 years. 28 years.
0: <laughs> Mike, it's never a good question to ask. I'm, I'm the one who knows. Oh, okay. She's I'm the one, the one. Oh, that was a text? Yes, that was a that text. text. She, she was testing good. me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I passed. Now, are you, are you both from the area originally?
1: Kind of. Uh, Park Ridge, so Chicago suburb. Park Ridge, yeah. so, and uh, you as
0: well? Uh,
2: Rockford area.
0: Rockford, okay. Mm-hmm. So Park Ridge, Rockford. Um, did did you, each of you, were you raised in Christian homes? Were you raised in non-Christian homes? Were you raised in agnostic homes?
1: I was raised in a Catholic home. Catholic home. very
0: Catholic home. And what does that mean, very Catholic?
1: Um, every generation that was alive when I was alive were devout Catholics. I had a Jesuit priest uncle. Um, we, my, my grandfather was a deacon in the church and my mom was devout. In fact, the only reason that we were I mean, she, it was insisted every Sunday we were in church. I did all the CCDD. I was in, we're I was baptized, acolyte. confirmed um, communion. I was an acolyte. Wow, I was goodness. in all, almost all seven of the sacraments, almost.
0: Okay.
1: We got married in an evangelical church and my mom did not recognize it as a, as a true marriage. Because it wasn't a Catholic. Because it wasn't in a Catholic way.
0: church. My so, goodness. Okay. I want to talk about that curve oh, just real quick. But. Yeah. Uh, Mike, let's just start with you then. Um, So uh, how many siblings in your family, roughly?
1: There are two. I have a brother and a sister, both younger.
0: Both younger. So Mm -hmm. you're the oldest
1: of the three. And um,
0: now uh, in interviewing some uh, others on past uh, podcasts, some were also raised Catholic. And um, on a couple of occasions now, they said really wonderful upbringing, but never really heard the gospel. Don't like I I'm sure it was there somewhere, but I never heard it. Yeah. Um, what was your, and yet we know that, you know, there are Catholics who are believers. And so that whole Jesus is Lord of your life and uh, salvation, not by works, but by grace and all those things that we would consider core to the gospel message. Was the gospel something you heard growing up? Was it something you didn't hear growing up? How did that relate to you?
1: Yeah. And the gospel and the message of salvation came to me later and okay. not through the Catholic church. I mean, there's a lot of teaching. There's a lot of memorizing the Beatitudes and there's a lot of understanding the or hearing the stories, but there isn't a lot of what does it really mean?
0: There's a lot of morality.
1: Correct. Yep. um but
0: uh, maybe not necessarily with the great foundation
2: yeah a development had to do face-to-face confessions you oh yeah
1: my to- mom would not allow the, the closed <laughs> booth we were face to face with the priests <laughs> that I was then serving with on Sunday morning <laughs> that's
0: not awkward you know
1: at all. so that's no not- it's not strange <laughs> in any way so you can imagine that, that takes I may to confess not confess
0: your sins went to another to a whole <laughs> level right
1: you right. can imagine I did not confess my sins yeah. fully
2: Probably. he made some up.
0: <laughs> I have to have something to confess. I'm sure I come
2: up with something here. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, so did you move around a lot as a kid, or just in one area?
1: One area, okay. one parish. Well, uh, two two parishes, but um, yeah, pretty stable. My dad was a high school teacher. What, so you,
0: what uh, subject did he teach? History. History. Yeah. Wow. It's always good to have a history teacher in the house. He's awesome in history. Man. So, what, what <clears> was the what was your journey then of faith? So, uh, how old were you when you came to faith?
1: Um, let's see. So when we got married, we were 22, probably 22, 23, around that period. I mean, it took her, Diana, to bring getting to- me to understand what did all this mean? I mean, I, I, will, I will always say when people ask me, I, I believed in Christ, mm-hmm. maybe didn't know exactly what he meant in my life, but I always knew there was something more than what I had been taught and what I was Uh, exposed to growing up in the Catholic church. I always knew there was something more and it took finding her and kind of coming to the understanding of, Oh, there's a relationship here. Oh, he did something for me.
2: When I met him, he had a spiritual curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our discussions, you know, we would talk about what it meant and we started attending church while we dated. And that was hilarious because we were in college and which college by a Bradley University
0: Bradley okay
2: and uh is that where you two met mm-hmm, okay. yeah, yeah. and um I had I had walked away a little bit otherwise probably never would have met him right. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um but it was a little accidental yeah outdated. so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so we'll talk about that later but it was kind of um sure yeah, or, no we won't go about the details one um, <laughs> but there was just a point where um it when when we were talking and said, you know what? Let's get beyond because I grew up um, just having a lot of. My mom was also Catholic, and I had a lot of thoughts regarding Catholicism. But Mike was the first person that I had a lot of discussions with, and I realized like he really did have a love for the Lord, and he really did understand some of the same things. And I don't want to get so caught up on religion, sure. And so the but, system of it, right? the mm-hmm. system of it, yeah. So it was like, okay, how about we just focus on? Let's start reading the Bible together. And let's not get caught up on the other stuff and see what we agree on. And then let's go. He'd never been to a church outside of the Catholic church. So I was like, let's try a church. And the very first one I sent him to, we went to, I thought it was like non-denominational because it had this kind of trendy type name or whatever. And I thought that might be a good place to start. It was like die-hard charismatic Pentecostal. Oh,
0: wow, that <laughs> was fun. So it's <laughs> quite a first introduction, uh, especially he, as he a into,
1: do I do have to dance, so? go up to the <laughs> stage?
2: <laughs> he was like, I don't dance. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well,
0: let's rewind just a little bit. So, uh, you're uh, how many siblings?
2: Four or three siblings, four kids. Three yeah. siblings,
0: four kids, and where are you in the order? I'm the baby. You're the baby. And boy.
2: he's all of the firstborn traits, and I am a lot of the
0: the baby last traits. the baby traits. Yep. okay i will leave it up to our readers imaginations to know <laughs> to what that means fully but um uh, <laughs> there we go uh, boy girls how many... so uh
2: the oldest is my brother and then i have two sisters two mm-hmm. sisters
0: fantastic and when my you son. were you were raised you said catholic as well
2: no Not um okay. nothing well so my dad was raised in the south his parents were baptist but non practicing really um in their faith and then my um uh mom was raised catholic um but at the time that she and my dad were married neither of them were really um following the lord in any way or had any interest in it go to church or anything like that but it was when i was um like five mm-hmm. a neighbor who was a pastor came over and asked if i could go to vacation bible school that wow. with him and his wife and my mom being an awesome mom wasn't going to just send me off a stranger. so she said well she can go if i can go too And so she went to VBS and that week while she was there, the church did what the church should do. They just loved her. Well, got to know her, started connecting to her. And soon after that, my mom started attending the church. She became saved. And she was one of those people that like, when she became saved, it was like total transformation, like next day. Yeah. Within a year she was leading women's groups. And then she went on to become one of the Bible study leaders and, you know, headed up the Awana program and just like, just went full in. And so I was the only one who went on that ride with her. Go vacation so, Bible school. Yeah. You're so awesome. I went to church um, with her, um, gave my life to the Lord at a really young age, was baptized. I think I got baptized somewhere around eight, something yeah. like that. Um, and then I did all of the stuff, like went to Iwana, did youth groups, went to, yeah. you know, Retreats and um all that type of stuff. And that's kind of where I was in in growing up. Always had kind of one foot in the world. yeah, um, it's always interesting when you live in a home. I wouldn't say our home was a Christian home because the majority of the family were not Christians, and my mom was, was still just learning. It was just or... my mom and I, yeah. Okay. and so, um, and so that was it just, you know, it just creates something. So, Church and everything we did kind of happened outside of the home, although my mom lived her life in front of me, you know, in, transparently in a ver- and transparently. And... Yeah. And I can even remember a few of uh, the discussions my parents had regarding like faith. And it was kind of like my dad was very much, I think it's good, but that's your thing, you know? Yeah. And um, the
0: segmentation of spirituality, right?
2: Like yeah. compartmentalize mm-hmm.
0: that to your world. That's yep. like your hobby. Yep. And it's meaningful
2: to yep. you. So that's what it was. But I will say, growing up in a home like that, you start to see so blatantly the difference by someone who is living with being their own God and the one who decides, you know, what's right and wrong and how they, yeah, where they are. And then to have a mom who is in total submission to the Lord mm. and it becomes um, very apparent. I remember... Uh, one of our kids at one time was just having a a difficulty with kind of not feeling like they were a Christian, you know, like not, you know, it's like, I don't feel. And I thought about, you know, I had the advantage of seeing what it looked like to not be a Christian and to be a Christian. And I realized that for sometimes kids that are growing up in Christian homes, they have the blessings of all of the things that the fruits of the spirit, all those things that are great, that it's like living in sunny California and you just take it for granted. Yeah. And it's only when you have really cruddy weather for a while, you realized how good you had it. There's someone who comes in from yep. a part of the world that's, you know, terrible weather. Shines
0: here. And then they, is.
2: yeah. And then they come into California and they're like, this weather is awesome because they've never known it any different. And I think that can happen in faith too. For kids that grow up in the church, sometimes they, sometimes have to go and have some gray skies before they fully appreciate what it looks like when someone walks with the Lord. But I had that in my home.
0: Yeah, and so key also, just even at a young age, right? We can't just dismiss someone who makes a profession of faith. We don't really know what's happening behind the eyes. And so you can be young and still mean it. Yeah. Apparently there's a, a some sort of siren yeah. going on outside. But, <laughs> um, you can be young and still absolutely say, God, you're my, you know, I, Jesus, you're my Lord. I give my whole life to you. Mm-hmm and God sees what's behind the eyes. And that doesn't mean it's perfect after that, but it just means that when you baseline it, you know how to distinguish between what your decision is and what God's decision is for you. Right. And there's so many people who confuse that. I'll justify what God wants for me. Right, so you guys go uh, to Bradley, Mm -hmm. where's Bradley?
2: Peoria, Illinois. Mm Peoria, Illinois,
0: okay. And you meet which year? How do you meet, by the way? Freshman year. Freshman year, and you
1: meet at
2: a frat party.
1: Frat party,
0: okay. <laughs> Mike, you were part of a frat.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Was, uh, and and, was the and people go, uh, and no, Bradley.
1: Everybody was. Yeah. Everybody, everybody was a frat. Part of the frat. It was, no, I understand. It was big social, part of the population.
0: Yeah. So you met at a frat party. Mm-hmm. You start dating. Um,
1: mm-hmm. um, no, no, you don't start no, dating. She, uh, she has a serious boyfriend. So I had to get rid of that. First. <laughs> and yeah, literally that freshman year, that that relationship came to an end, and. um, that there wasn't, wasn't easy. A lot more, there's like, a, we don't have to go into detail.
2: No, no, no. I was it was not say, easy.
1: But at the end of that year, we, yes, we were formally dating going yeah. into our.
2: And I was just, so you year. know, I went into college with my. Um, so started my freshman year and my mom um, was terminally ill. Oh, I'm so sorry. So yeah. she died when I was 18. Okay. So I was going through kind of this huge crisis during that time. Um, and then had my dad who fell apart and mm-hmm. I took on a lot of the family responsibilities like finances and just my world was upside down. And during so that some time, ways there
0: goes my childhood, there goes my hero. Yeah. There And now yep. I yep. have to captain a ship. I didn't know I was going to have to
2: captain. Yeah. And, um, uh, my dad was unstable, <laughs> And, um, and so you know, there's, I think when you're you're talking about spiritual maturity, there are different times when you have these crises of faith and that would have been probably like my first one and where I really wrestled with God. Mm -hmm. And at that point I didn't have the maturity. I believed if I died that day, I would have been in heaven, but I did not have the maturity to really understand um, God the truth of who he was versus some of how I I thought of who sure. he was. And so um, some of my joy and my faith was circumstantial, you know, based on, mm-hmm. uh, on that. And so when my mom died, there was a part that I felt very abandoned by the Lord. And instead of running to him, mm-hmm. I felt like he was less trustworthy. Got it. And so that's kind of where I was. But I was back and forth. I was someone who would just like be in the world and make poor choices. But then I still had the Holy Spirit convicting me. Yep. So I could be in certain places where nobody would even have ever thought I was a Christian. Then I'd be in other places with my old friends and everyone would mm-hmm. think I was a Christian. <laughs> sure. um, and inside I was just, um, yeah, going back and forth. Because, again, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. And when you walk away, so it's encouragement for anyone out there with kids who are now making bad choices, like sometimes, you know, you don't know what's going on inside. And so inside, I never felt, I never sat comfortably with my sin, Right. but um, it didn't keep me from doing it. <laughs> and
0: also the ability to get and separate. Oh, that's, that's not my God. That's me. Um, Would you say just in your journey, because, you know, there's a character phase of spiritual maturity that where God kind of... The issue in our life becomes so big and so real, whatever it is, that initial thing that it's hard to avoid and the Holy Spirit comes to slay that dragon inside you in order for you to move on. But there's a difference between that kind of particular thing. And I don't know if it sounds like maybe trust or something else, um, being able to finally put that at rest. Or would you say that was really something that was earlier? Like um, I was getting to know God, not just theoretically with Bible knowledge, but really experientially in a way that I had to struggle. So more back in the knowledge kind of portion of growing in faith, you know, where you're like, "Oh, this is this is what it means to walk in this way." Where would you say that that whole crisis? Where would you play? Where would you locate that in your journey?
2: So it's so difficult because it is such a process. Um, I mean, I, I know that. The person I am today, the moment that um, probably had the most transforming spot in my life actually happened after my like, after on. we were later on. Okay, so this um, is be located kind of a little earlier. this is probably earlier. So I, you know, and I certainly had times during my junior high and high school years where I was very on fire with the Lord and yep. doing things like that, um, but... I was back and forth and even at the point, like going through my college years, Mike and I, I think we were both seeking, I was clearly more mature in my faith, had a much stronger understanding of the Bible and who God was, but I wasn't fully submitting to his authority over my life. So there are parts of my life that I was not willing to let go of and was trying to find ways to justify um, things. And make it okay and so that I could be comfortable with my sin. And yet so that's kind of where we were. I would I was say probably on the
1: other side. I was probably I mean, and this is not unusual, this is probably the majority of kids going off to college didn't realize that my life wasn't mine to make mm-hmm. choices over, you know. <laughs> but but had a discomfort with who I was. I mean, I confidence has always been a challenge for me. So who was I and what am I here for? And what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I didn't have the realization. Like you had the realization that there was a, there was God and he was actually the one in control. I was like, I don't know why anybody would leave me in control of my life. There's gotta be some, uh, somebody else out there who can control this better.
0: So um, uh, kind of what you're describing that in and not in and in and not in, I, I call that the roller coaster of love at times, <laughs> right? <Where laughs> like you live from camp to camp to camp, but then in between camps, it's like, okay, I'm in this other place. And often you know, there's so much beating up of yourself in the mm-hmm. in-between spaces of that. But so you guys met, you're dating, you're at Bradley. And um, do you come to faith first, Mike, and then you guys get married? Do you? Or... I wouldn't have married him otherwise. Okay. So can you talk to me about that moment where you make that decision, you wrestle through that decision? Because for you, um, this is not just... Um, uh, uh, implications on how you're going to have a personal faith. Mm-hmm. This has familial implications. Like oh, yeah. Even, yeah, even yeah. your own mom was like, Yeah, your wedding, I'm not even sure I'd call that a, a official wedding. Right? Right. right. So, did you weigh all that at the time? Were you thinking about any of that? No. Nope. How, how did you
1: process through that? Well, so I'll, give, I'll give that answer. No, never did. Realized this is what I've been, no, or I, this is what I innately knew was there, and I have found it and was. Excited about it, so that's that's good. But people ask that all the time. So when did you give your life over to God? And you're like, right. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't Tuesday of some day. It right. was, it was very gradual. So I couldn't tell you in that time frame between freshman year and we got married five years later. Right. So we went through After college, <laughs> a year of grad school, half year of whatever, got married. it it was like a it's like a a rainbow of colors it just changes colors and you can't tell really where the one color changes to
0: the other i had a professor who called salvation like the mississippi river he said there are some places in the mississippi you can actually run and jump across and um, it's Mm -hmm. easy to tell but he said other places in the mississippi are pretty wide and um, you don't know that you're across until you're on the other side looking back across the mississippi Mm -hmm. and salvation can be like that right it sounds like in your case There was a journey that you went on, you, but but when you crossed the river, you yes. knew you were on the
1: other I side. I knew I was there, and, and you're like, "How did I get here?" Mm-hmm. But but you got there. And now I will also say, there are certainly stages, things that we did in our lives and got involved in. So, we got married was the first time we actually went to a solid church, started a church. Okay. So
0: hang on a second. So you guys, so you guys, Mm -hmm. you you date, you go to grad school, you get married or somewhere in there,
1: you get married. Mm -hmm. Is that right? It was like grad school on Friday, married on Saturday. I literally Literally. did my
2: defense in front of Mm -hmm. my committee on a Friday with my car packed up and then drove straight to my rehearsal dinner.
0: Oh my goodness. Now, now where
2: did you get married? (laughs) The Rockford area.
0: Rockford area. Did mm-hmm. you wind up living then in the Rockford area? Mm-hmm. No. So you marry in Rockford and then you go to yes. here, to Naperville. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So you've been in Naperville a long time now. Yeah. Yep. That's great. And so you come here and you said, we're going to start a life together. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, just done. We're, we're in grad school or doing grad school. We're, uh, we're, we're done. And we're, we're really
2: professionals. So I'm working at Arthur Anderson um, okay. and he's where he still is uh, working as an engineering consultant.
0: Mm-hmm engineering consultant and then your degree was in uh,
2: um my master's was in instructional design and development and in org change it was kind of like before the whole change management stuff came sure, about absolutely. it was what they would today they would have called it change management okay, but fantastic yeah.
0: all right so here you are you're building a life and you're like we got to get involved with the church like we're starting this thing off together and um and so tell me about that process like was it fairly <laughs> was it a fairly easy find was it
1: well that was back when there used to be phone books yeah and a yellow page and so we opened uh, for those who books. are listening
0: before <laughs> google there were these big <laughs> books that you get every year yep. on, i'm just playing yeah, yeah. A, no you're yeah. exactly that's we
1: opened true. the book yeah and we found evangelical free church and that was your you knew
2: that evangelical free church was the last church that my mom and i had attended so ah, that's so we had started in a baptist church and then we had um and actually we were a Nazarene church and then we ended up um, moving to the church where I was doing Awana mm-hmm. and which was an evangelical free church and so then we started going there so because we had already in college tried all different places mm-hmm. and a lot of like oh we hit some you mean you didn't places. stay at the
0: exceptionally charismatic
1: <laughs> Pentecostal nope, didn't no with
2: us. no we yeah we had some good to, <laughs> so when we came here so that was back in the Puri area so when we came here um, I said, let's just see if there's an evangelical free church. And so there was, although the first day we went to the wrong church, right? We did went we? to that covenant evangelical oh, we did. covenant and yes. then, but we ended up with the evangelical church. Yeah. Got
0: it. And you guys were there for many, many years. 25.
2: What, yeah. How what
0: was your first area? Did you, did you start serving immediately? Did you warm into it? Did you, That's how, how, did, how did it work for you? Did you attend a, a Sunday school class? Did you? What was the process of that for
1: you? Yeah, I mean, and again, for me, there were steps. So there, early on, we found a small group. People are same age, newly married or, or to be married. And that was a step for me. Saturday nights. Yeah. Wait a minute. What am I doing on Saturday night? And <laughs> I, I clearly, I just remember this being here going, what is this? And talking about the Bible on Saturday night. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was weird. I will admit, for me, I was like, boy, this is just different is this what my life is coming to and i did have a
2: (laughs) there was a crisis
1: there was a little bit of a crisis from the the part of me that was in the world still was like really but we have friends today great friends guys i'm going fishing with in a couple weeks from back then yeah that's where those relationships started something
0: about the community of that yeah but also sharing jesus there's something about being able to share the deepest part of your life and it's kind of piggybacking on something diana said earlier which is i wouldn't have married him
1: um
0: Mm -hmm. if he he wasn't a believer there there's uh there's few lonelier places i'm just going to speak pastorally for a Mm -hmm. second there's few lonelier places um just from counseling a lot of couples than being in the same bed with someone you deeply love who absolutely cannot relate to the most beautiful Mm -hmm. and
2: i lived that my parents that's my parents yeah and i saw and i can't imagine it can't and, imagine it. And I, so I was. knew regardless of where I was, even spiritually, I knew I would not have that in my marriage because I just felt so bad for my mom, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and my dad too, because there was a whole world that he didn't understand. And that you're too. still
0: taking care of sisters and
2: yeah. And so, and... um, yeah. So I have a sister who has special needs okay. and so, um, doing some things with her and she ended up with, uh, Anyway, she ended up with brain damage, and um, Mike and I took custody of her son. Mm -hmm. So that was before we had kids, and we had a lot going. (laughs) That's before you had children. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. we have. There's not enough time on your podcast (laughs) to go through all of our lanes, but I will say, but but they're
1: all stepping stones. I would say they are. are I had my points of conflict that brought us closer and closer. It was closer together as a
2: couple, but also closer to the the war. Oh yeah. So I left. Go ahead. I'm. Well, I was
1: going to say, and I think to where some of your questions started was the realization of not just the Bible and understanding the gospel and the good news, but now in our lives, having to actually apply the fact that he is Lord of our life.
0: Mm. The circ- It's have interesting to... that sometimes the circumstances require yeah. you.
2: Yep. Yeah. Right? Um,
0: and that's where the
1: rubber meets the road, isn't it? And yeah. those are the steps in, in the faith.
2: I, I struggled mean. with control. Mm. Like I think a lot of my life seems so out of control. I mean, especially losing your mom at a young age and then, Um, after my mom died my dad kind of he remarried very quickly moved out of state I was you know so I was kind of on my own and um, anyway but there was a part of me too that I just wanted to be successful Mm -hmm. and uh, I was the first one in my family to go to college and, um, and so I was very focused on kind of the the things that um, I felt would show that I had value too. And so success, success like something yeah. specifically. so I, you know, I got my master's, got the job I wanted and I was on the fast track doing really quite well. And then um, we actually had to talk, started to talk about when we would start having a family, but I could not reconcile leaving what I had worked for. I had just gotten promoted over our Asia Pacific region. And I was like, I'm not going to just walk away from
1: this,
2: ever, this you know, and, and yet I wanted to be a mom and we both wanted to be a part of raising, having one someone at home. That's where we, I was like, <laughs> what if you were to leave your work and you stayed at home at that yeah. time? I had a very strong salary and, and he just looked at me and he was like, first of all, I, I would be, miserable. Um, and he said, but even more than that, he's like, I really think you would come to resent me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you could ever like, I just pretty frank talk, pretty. Yeah. yeah. And so we, and, and uh, so I was like, well, I guess we're just not having kids yet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where we were a little bit. And it's not like we were really um like, oh, we really want to start right now, but we were now moving to our late twenties. Um But that was where I had a crisis of faith.
1: We've come a long way. We've come a long way.
0: So let's talk about kind of where we're at. So um, you're at this crisis of faith, Diana, and some of this is wrapped around in the validation of uh, perceived status. Um, uh, You'd mentioned earlier in, in your journey that there was really kind of this major point that God had to kind of get you through and deal with you. And you kind of feel like there was an other side to that point. Can you just walk us through some of that?
2: Yeah. So I was at the point where I, um, in my career and uh, trying to balance some things within my family. Um, And then my sister ends up having a complete um, uh, meltdown. I don't know how to put it any other way. And she suffered some brain damage and was no longer able to care for herself. And so Mike and I um, took custody of her son during that time. and even how that happened, I was at court with my sister and um, Mike was at work and the all of a sudden I thought I was dealing with issues regarding my sister. Um, I was there on her behalf and then all of a sudden I realized my nephew is gonna go to children in, you know going going into the foster care system, yeah. which I had no idea that that's where they were at. So I called Mike from work. <laughs> he was at work and I'm nowhere I, I took a recess. Um, they stopped I went out used the pay phone uh, and called Mike and said hey uh, can I bring Jim home with us and he was like uh, what like for the weekend and I'm like he's like how long and I'm like I don't know but and he agreed we didn't want him to go into foster care but the reality was to me at that point and where I was mm-hmm. I, it didn't matter what he said like I just said well I'm bringing him home here's what's happening here's what's happening how old was Jim he was 11
0: 11 years old wow,
2: junior so, high starting junior high boy like that, mm-hmm. and so i said well I'm, I'm bringing him back so you can imagine that that's you know that's not probably the way you want to go about decisions and so but you both
0: started your parenting with an 11 year old yeah
2: 11 yeah. year old boy who's coming Who out troubled. of who's yeah he's setting little fires he's doing yeah all yeah. kinds of stuff wow. um i won't go through his story but he's he's uh he did he went on and finished his master's yeah. and MBA and did a thing. We're still working on him coming to the Lord. But um, but uh, anyway, so that was, we brought him here. And I'm now, um, I'm supposed to be traveling, doing international travel, doing work. I have him. And he, you're still
0: a part of a small group and all that stuff? Is mm-hmm. that still going yep. on? Okay, gotcha.
2: And he is, um, he had been truant. He really had missed the whole school year. Mm-hmm. So I basically decided I was going to homeschool him and catch him up. And so I'm working full time and I didn't trust him in the house. So I literally would, uh, he'd go off to school. I would go into work. I would wait until he had to be picked up for school. I was in St. Charles. I would drive back to Naperville, pick him up from school, drive him back back to work with me and let him do homework while I finished my work day. And um, also dealing with all the court proceedings with my sister and so much stuff. And I guess that was the point that my world became so much bigger than what I could control. Mm -hmm. And I was holding on to everything so tight and trying to do it my way. And specifically as it related to my ex brother in law, Mm -hmm. because he was had been very abusive and i was going through the court system with him and i had such hatred towards him and i was just going to outsmart him <laughs> mm-hmm. and i was just i just turned kind of ugly um but between all of the stress related to that trying to raise my nephew and deal with all of his needs trying to balance work and then having some tension with mike nothing like major but you know we weren't on the same page on things and i just. I just was not submitting to anybody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, I felt like I had gotten to where I had gotten because I worked really hard and I just, I figured stuff out and I persevered and I pushed forward. It's great, but I'm really smart enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I was. And um, it took things to get so big, like there was just no possible way I could handle it. And mm-hmm. I can remember it so clearly. I was upstairs in my bedroom and I literally just laid out on my bed, face into the bed, just sobbing and going, I'm done, Lord. Like I I am done holding on to all these pieces and trying to make everything work and try to manage all these aspects of my life. And whatever you lead me to do, I'll do if it's quit work if it's move my nephew out if it's whatever it is like i'm i'm just i just want to do what you want me to do wow that's and a big
0: moment that's it a was a moment.
2: huge moment where i truly yeah. decided like he had to be the lord of my life yeah. even if i disagreed with him but if i felt clearly he was telling me to do it then he wins yeah. and so the first thing he he just nudged me on is all of the uh Ways I needed to change regarding um, things like my, my brother-in-law that I truly had to forgive him mm-hmm. and to step away from the court proceedings I had against him yeah. and because it was killing me. And so I went to the attorney and said, I am going to not show up in court anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight any of these battles. Here's what I'm requesting. Go settle it and I'll accept whatever happens. And which, you know, which you there are things we big could, moment. it was huge. It was Cause a big that moment. meant like us being responsible for my nephew's medical care versus his dad or things like, you know, yeah. huge things, yeah, but we dad were like, walked
1: away. how
0: was it for you, Mike? Cause you, you're still coming home at the end of the day. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. and I can't, it wasn't nearly the impact to me as it was to her, but obviously it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't ideal for
2: any of us. And part of that too, was me going to you to say, and I'll let you come back to that. But with my nephew is the other thing I had to go to Mike and I said, I'm sorry I didn't do this the first time, but my nephew's here and what do you want to do? Like, what are your thoughts? And he had shared, I do think we're the best for him right now, but when we start having our kids in our family, I would like to transition him back because my sister was getting well and she was living with my dad and I'd like to transition. So he gave kind of a, he's here to finish junior high, but in high school, but that would be. When he would leave and so and i didn't fight and i didn't you know in my mind i would have had him with us until he graduated yeah sure. and i mm-hmm. just said you know what i i'm going to trust you and trust yeah. that that's what and he i knew mike was praying about it and i said okay that that's what we'll do and that was the departure for me mm-hmm. that isn't who i was that's a big before.
0: it's just such a big big moment you know and very few people can kind of go back and, and like they know what it is to have a dark night of the soul they know what it is to get to a moment but to be able to kind of articulate and go, no, that was really kind of a major internal shift where my I was decided. In a sense, it's almost that that devotion piece. Mm-hmm. Okay, God, who, who am I gonna be devoted to? That piece like really gets decided. Yeah. And then it's you don't wake up anymore going, if he's Lord, but it's just how do I follow you through the next thing? Yeah. Mike, how about you? Was that no, you a part of the theme of your life has been is just kind of i grew into it whatever it was i Mm -hmm. grew into church i grew into life group i grew into uh, salvation Uh, your spiritual maturity process would you say in terms of uh, becoming a spiritually mature christian has that also been a gradual growth process for you or was there a moment or two which you point at and you go wow in retrospect that was really that was a pretty pivotal moment for my next step
1: yeah i i would say that for me it was a lot of little steps that i can look back on now and say oh yeah there was a bit there there was a bit there and mm-hmm. as i as i started to say this was was also one of those bringing jim to our house and having him live with us for what was it, almost three years right um, but having kids um, getting more involved in the church different stages in church life as our kids grow up the various stages i would say all of those made you be different, made you change. And I just still- So we had
2: a public parade?
1: First time you had to public pray. Yeah, I mean that's talk to any Catholic, you don't do that. that's what you hire the priest for, right? right. That's what he gets paid the big the money for. Oh, I clearly publicly. do. I remember the person who did it to me too. It was our it was <laughs> a Sunday okay. morning. You make it sound who like it's a to Oh, it like was so Yes, i brought it up to him before. Because <laughs> uh, when you're
2: in a when you're in a group of people yeah. and you're in a Sunday school class, there's an assumption that ever oh, all these are they're not only at church, but they've showed up to adult Sunday school. Yeah. So there's an assumed level of spiritual maturity or
0: everybody knows what's what even or what's what or yeah. mike didn't words.
2: quite know what's what but he ended up in the
0: a... in the oh, hot seat yeah yeah <laughs> so would you so how now i've heard people have to navigate their very first prayer out loud and um it's always one of those moments they're not sure what to say and, and of course pray, it's hard to get prayer wrong because you're just talking to god right but especially it can be so intimidating I've seen some suddenly turn into King James enthusiasts in speech. <laughs> and I've seen others suddenly get super like slangy. Did you kind of, how'd you do?
1: I don't, I think I did okay. Do you, have you have to ask him.
2: him. Have you blacked, you blacked <laughs> it out? Is that, I, 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 no, I,
1: I, no, I couldn't remember what it was. I can't remember moment exactly of my life what it because, was, But I I do remember I was the praying
2: moment. for him as he was praying.
1: <laughs> I do remember the moment. I remember sitting in the class. I remember he's a dear friend of mine, John McIntyre. Still just a dear friend of mine. And I asked him about it and he goes, well, oh, I don't know. I mean, you'd been in the class for a while and you seem to really know your stuff. Mm-hmm. Seemed like you'd be comfortable with it. So, But as you said, I guess maybe this would be the message to everybody who gets put on that spot. It's a conversation with God. Mm-hmm. You you kind of put your head down and forget that all these other people are in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're you're talking to the Lord yeah. of your life.
0: At the end of the day, there's no points for your eloquence. No right? There's he, only, to, there's only, thing. is it, is it heartfelt? You
1: can't impress him.
0: No, God's like, yeah, thanks for that. You know, right. plus the Holy Spirit's translating it all anyway, right? So right. you're like,
1: um, I mean, you learn, right? You, you can't disappoint him, but you can't, you can't impress him.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a great, that's a great sentence actually. You can disappoint him, but you can't impress him. Um. So then you start having daughters,
1: mm-hmm. three girls, mm-hmm.
0: um, and um, raised in the church, raised in faith, you're praying for their salvation there's no guarantees there right. uh, would you say that from that moment you had some practice with a junior hire? <laughs> but uh, would you say it, that that moment kind of going through those years because you know our empty nesters almost mm-hmm. practically yeah. empty nesters? two married one college um as you look back do you go okay we actually we we were able to navigate those years pretty well it was about a lot of service and it was about of family culture. We talked about God pretty openly. We pray for them regularly and praise God they came to faith. But um, but actually, we were those years for you guys um, pivotal shaping years where they feel more like we're on the tracks of a railroad and now it's just the trains just moving on the tracks? In other words, were you building tracks or do you feel like the train was moving on tracks?
1: I would say I think we were always building tracks, but I think there's some there's some keys that I mean, people ask all the time, how did you raise such wonderful girls? I don't know. I really. That's a but, great I, answer. but I do know that you you walk what you talk, number one, you surround them with strong people to talk into their lives, because any parent recognizes that you can tell your kids. Your kids don't hear it as well from you, or at least not immediately or without some begrudgment, than they do from the other people in their lives, the other adults who are part of their classes or even their small groups that they go to. And, and that we just were blessed with incredible people who came alongside us and our kids. And spoke into their lives we and, knew
2: our kids went to public school and, yeah, and they
1: wanted to go to and, public school. yeah and
2: we we really um i think we were very intentional because we know that the world is after your kids you know like right. satan is after your kids and and so i think from a very very young age we made um it's like a few things one is like um parent with the end in mind mm-hmm. and we knew we wanted kids that were following the Lord and it doesn't just happen on their own accord, their own accord. Yeah. and no guarantees there no guarantees the no guarantees transparent but so that we, with the end
0: in mind you would surprise you how few people do
2: that yeah I have
0: a uh, I've been in conversations where I've said the moment that my son was born I knew that I was trying to raise him to 18 in the sense that I knew I was producing adults right. And uh, I've actually had people say, why would you ever do that? Hmm. Like you should just hold on as long as you can. Right. And it's actually not healthy Mm-mm. for mm-hmm. them or for you.
2: Yeah. Like I, yeah. like if a kid is wanting a juice cup, they can yell and give it to me, mom, give it to me. And I can give it to them. And I'm what, I'm, what does that look like when they're 20? Mm-hmm. You know, but when I say, you know, what? you can get your cup, you get it for yourself and they now go and do for themselves what they need to do. What does that you. look like in 20? You know? And so sometimes you just had to, to see like, is that a, am I encouraging a behavior of someone I would never want to work with, mm. you know, in the workforce? <laughs> so, um, that's a great, but, too, uh, but encouraging a behavior. Of someone, I, someone I
0: wouldn't want to work with
2: that's Yeah. But nice. I do think, um, with the, with the front or that, that early intentional thing, um, I did want to pick my kids' friends without them knowing. Mm -hmm. So Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I I say it all the time, like I sabotage popularity Um, when (laughs) you know just if there were groups of where I thought, oh, I don't want them down that path. You know, I can still remember the day when Kate was crying because oh, I named a kid. Oh well, that's all right. She'll be all right Um, because I wouldn't buy her a little you know UGG boots and her. I don't know, the junior high wardrobe of the day. And um,
0: Uggs have become the new metaphor for like, I kind of all, right? Yeah. And it there was, worries. it was, it was in I Shanghai. And wear. it was,
2: um, I can't remember the jacket or whatever, but a North Face jacket and the Ugg booth and the whole thing. And I wouldn't get them for her because she had so much value on her identity going into middle school with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't. And she's like, there is nothing wrong, you're not sinning because you were And I'm like, no, not at all. Matter of fact, I'd probably buy them for both your sisters, you know? And it was, um, it was only after she went through kind of having to navigate that without the stuff. Um, And then later when it no longer, you know, I think in spring, giving her some of the things she wanted. And she's like, wait, I thought I couldn't have them. And I'm like, well, now you're, you're not defining yourselves by them so you can have yeah. them. But if Ugs, if you have
0: to have Uggs to make you happier, feel like you're worthwhile. Yeah. Right. That's really the challenge. Right?
2: Yeah. So anyway, so for our own faith, I think it I think a lot of that was um being in a small group, we wanted our kids to be around other Christian families. So it wasn't like, Oh, your parents are the only ones that won't let you watch that type of movie, or your parents are the only ones who won't let you have a phone. or so your they would look aren't... around and go, there's
0: other freaks like my parents. Exactly. <laughs> yep.
2: So we, so we had some like-minded people and we raised our kids together really in small yep. group. And so our kids really, they saw all of these um, couples who loved the Lord, who were committed to raising their kids to know the Lord and, um, so it, it just seemed more normal. Yeah. Um,
0: and how about for you guys? You yeah. guys, because you guys are awesome. You said you're actually laying the tracks as you went, as opposed to we're on track. We got it. Kind of, we're surrounded by this thing, and we're on this path, and everything's going to support this. How did that play its way out for for your own growth? As,
1: as well, I think that was big too, because I I think we also knew that it was very important that our kids saw that we were a team, and we stuck together. You know. It, disagreements they see how we handled disagreements yeah. in working together and I, so I would say definitely with our with the kids in the house and the pressure of raising human beings to be good human beings I mean it grounded us more too mm-hmm. it made us more focused on our faith and and how we were living out our lives and. the example we set with our kids and even
2: things we did i mean for example mike had never really been exposed like i went to awana so mm-hmm. i memorized bible verses mm-hmm. and i knew i could tell you you know the
0: badges all yeah bad.
2: and i could say it's matthew mark luke john but he you know he, the bible was not familiar to him so trying if you said open to judges he'd be like is that new testament old testament i don't know you know oh, okay on. you weren't there okay so maybe he knew that <laughs> but, but
1: but to I, the point I yes to the point. point but when
2: we when, when we started when you're in doing... Awana
1: and every kid that is telling saying bible verses to you i was not the teacher who could list look at the kids and listen to them give the bible verse I had to be looking at it myself because sure. i didn't know them like so these kids
0: did a lot of that contextually was a part then of your own mm-hmm. growth because yes. it was grounding you Yeah, as well you were kind of it's not just that we grow as believers sometimes god uses the circumstances to actually do some things in us we might not otherwise do yeah on our own right
1: i had a big trigger there and there was a big trigger point for me in that mm-hmm. um it was Sarah, she must've been our oldest. She must've been maybe middle school. Yeah, we go yeah. up to. Um, <laughs> the middle one we are. Middle school. <laughs> so she went on a mission trip with the, with the, uh, the, with the church group mm-hmm. and t- t- here to Chicago, had a great time. I decided I was going to go on it the next year. We were going down in Nashville with, a, you know, a two dozen youth. Um, and I remember clearly, praying to God and saying, God, I'm excited about this opportunity. Just I'm going to help paint houses and that kind of stuff. Just don't make me like be out there and evangelize. Mm -hmm. That was not something I was ever comfortable with. Um, And to this day, it's not a comfort spot for me.
0: Totally, totally relate to that.
1: But on that trip, we broke up into groups and each group did something different on a different day in my group. First thing, we were spending the entire morning at a mall, picture Fox Valley Mall. <laughs> Doing cold call evangelism. Walking the mall and just talking to people about Christ.
0: Nothing more You have got
1: to be kidding me. Yeah. Did you even listen to my prayer? I think the problem is that God,
0: God what's, what's so great about that is, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> and he, he did. said, thank you for your suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I will say it was, it was, I've been on a good six or seven other missions trips that was pivotal one in my life yeah completely changed me and and how i look at i am a christian in this world shout it to the rooftops kind of
2: thing and i will say Mm -hmm. there were youth that were on that trip i wasn't on it that have pointed to that trip and mike's example in their life of living out your faith yeah so, so I just, so there were some
1: great opportunities on that risk. trip. They're, they're seeing
0: you as a model of risk. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Sometimes we're the most terrified and other people don't know it. Don't yeah. know
1: it. Yeah. They yeah. don't realize it. And there are things that happened on that trip. You're like, wow, did I just do that? I, that is not something And I mean, the people we came in contact with the homeless and, and the workers that are behind the scenes helping the homeless. I mean, it was just, it was opening and changing. No in, a,
0: in a world full of uh, moral therapeutic deism, which I'll talk a little bit about um, on Sunday, um, or I don't know when this is what I, I've already talked about it by the time this airs, but um, an American gospel is God's just there to help me get what I want and to feel good. So the more that I'm in Him, the more I'll be blessed. And the more that I'm blessed, what that translates to is I won't have any hardships, it'll be super easy. I'll have more money, I'll have more uh, status, I'll have more fame, I'll have more whatever, because God is so for me. And and unfortunately, um, that is a total lie, right? Total and so, lie. and and yes, God is completely for you, but that isn't, the, the translation is not that you get the status, it's that you learn what it means to be satisfied and rooted in Him, so you actually have a life that's bigger. And um, I was just thinking about, uh, kind of the journey you you have been on recently and in some ways are still going through with regard to a cancer scare with Mm -hmm. with one of your daughters and uh thinking about people gathered in a room praying over Mm -hmm. you guys praying for her praying for her day after day week after week and not really knowing how it's all going to turn out and yet trusting god through it and it's a, a, a an example i think of here are two people who have been through a whole bunch of life, right? There's a lot of ups and downs, there's court cases, there's Mm -hmm. siblings, there's weddings, there's family dynamics, all kinds of things. And um, in a world where God only exists, that the more that you serve him through it, that you're just blessed, you wouldn't have had to deal with any kind of a a cancer scare, um, any kind of a a scare for for your family. But that's not the real world. Right. And um, so you you being able to journey and even handle what you've recently gone through, right? It's it's amazing how um, it's not easy, um, but there you had a perspective through it that I think people who aren't spiritually mature would really wrestle with, right? There's a there's a perspective that you bring to the hard times.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. What kind of just kind of in closing, if there was one or two pieces of advice. You guys have already given some incredible insights throughout this interview, but um, just one or two things for people who are either on the roller coaster or who are learning about where Judges is for the first time, or who are trying to figure out how does how do I not become apathetic? How does grace stay active in my life? What's accountability look like? Or maybe who are in that moment where they're laying on their bed and they're, they come to the end of this character. Uh, aspect in themselves. Obviously, that's never going to be the last thing, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's plenty of sin in ourselves to go Mm -hmm. around, but there's always that one big thing up front where God goes, okay, it's time to slay this one. Let's let's, Mm -hmm. let's get you through this one. Maybe people who are in those stages, are there one or two things that you would just say other than what maybe you've already said or that comes to your mind?
2: I think for me, it is really understanding that I, I just, this summer I read a, a book, uh, Elizabeth Elliot, um, that suffering is never for nothing. Mm. And it's probably the most, one of the most powerful books I've read. And I read it at the recommendation of Sarah, our daughter, who was diagnosed last summer with cancer. And um, uh, I might lose it here, but I think you begin to, you know, get to a point in your spiritual faith that you realize that you have to see, it's, it comes down to a question um, of do I trust him?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, do I really trust him? Do I trust that he is who he says he is? Do I trust him that I can um, put my faith in him? Do I trust him that he is in control when my life seems so out of control? Do I trust him when what is happening makes absolutely no earthly sense? Mm-hmm. Um, our daughter was graduated from Moody. Married her husband, headed to the mission field. Our life was pretty well, and everything we had that we had prayed for, you know, things were moving in a certain direction. And and you see all of that, and you you think, uh, okay, this is all with God's hand on it. You see Him blessing things and moving you, and then just before she's ready to leave for the mission field with so much affirmation that that's where she was supposed to be. She and her husband, she gets, um, she gets cancer and not a a cancer that is easy to overcome. Yeah. Um, And so I think that there was a part of, of um, wrestling with God, but also when you're at a point where you have submitted and you truly believe he is who he says he is, you face that so differently. How I faced my mom's death and how I faced my daughter's diagnosis was very different, you know? Um, Because with Sarah, I trusted God in a way I had, not with my mom. Um, And with Sarah, I knew that, I mean, one night I called Mike because when we first got the diagnosis, we were separated. And I was. We were in different places. We were in different places. Yeah, he was still at home with Kate here in in Naperville. And I was with Sarah in Minneapolis where she was when she um, walked into the hospital and got the diagnosis. Um, and I called Mike uh, at night and just was in that ugly cry like that, just raw, like, I don't think I can do this. And. I can't imagine, you know, that got taking her from us and just, um, it was just a really hard moment. And it was you actually that just said like in the still calm voice, you know, we'll be okay. Like, regardless, like he's got this. And that doesn't mean that he's going to cure her from cancer, but we know that wherever it leads us, he's got us.
0: That was uh, that was really beautiful and thank you so much for for sharing it and so important I there's something about um, what you said that uh, just struck me as beautiful which is we don't know how it's going to turn out but we do know who we can trust in the middle of it and uh, and I love that and um, and then I've watched you guys journey through that and have people surround you with prayer and and a, a part of that journey with you. And then most recently you had this happy occasion that was planned and then COVID hits. Yeah. And, uh, and here you're celebrating a wedding in the middle of.
2: Weddings in 2020 pandemic, were not. Pandemic, right? but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, so but also
0: one of being a really joyful sweet awesome. occasion An incredible. Thing. And you guys are like, well, we're going to follow him through this too. Did, have you found that, um, that this notion of, uh, I'm gonna call it the Buffalo herd. Um, you guys are familiar with buffalo herds. Buffalo herds ride into storms together. That's how they get through the storm. Cows, flee storms. Other animals, they see the storm coming, they all run away. Buffalo herds, they gather together and they face the storm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it this buffalo herd thing of saying, okay, we're going to gather together, trust God and face the storm. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you found that uh, that has been a great affirming moment? And I'm going to say not just for you, but for your tribe, your family tribe.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, we can say the last three years would never want to go through this ever again. If you were to allow me to rewind and say, do you want to pick a different path? No, no doubt. Yeah. But both of us say all the time, we look back in the three years and we're like, look at his hand. Look at what he did. What do we did there and what he did there? Mm. And for that, you know, it's a hard thing to say, but my goodness, if that if my faith wasn't going to be what my faith is today if i didn't go through that well then we need to have gone through that yeah well it it's been cool. it's just he's just been incredible through it all and we know we're not done there's no sure. no doubt in our minds we're not done but it's given us much more and there's a lot of life left to live a lot of life left to live right? yep
2: yeah and i think there's a part of our family too because we've been pretty active in a lot of aspects of mm-hmm. community and things mm-hmm. and i think from afar it's easy to paint a picture of oh they just don't have any hardship because you know yeah. we have our kids didn't have parents that had to struggle through divorce we have been blessed you know financially to not have like loss of jobs or things like that and our girls are following the lord and we're good friends and just a lot of things like things you know a kid becomes Prom queen or, you know, I mean, just those things that from a social media onlooker thing, it can look like, wow, things look easy. And then it just, mm-hmm. like I said, things, and because while well, Sarah's having her diagnosis, we had Anna who had been on the mission field in Honduras who gets super, super sick and ends up in the hospital just with for the multiple days. You, you now days.
0: named all three. Like all I all mean, three. Just, just for the record.
2: Yeah. But, but <laughs> literally our things just started happening that were so big. And I almost think, I mean, I told him that, you know, Job had three daughters. He was not happy that day when I said that. <laughs> but I was like, things were happening so good. But there was that point that it was like, um, you felt like, almost like, uh, will they love you now, God? Will they love you now? Because we just kept getting, well, we haven't even touched on everything. But we just kept getting slammed with thing after thing after thing. And I think that was part of our our whole family. Not like we had a family meeting, but I think each individual yeah. was like, I, "I'm I'm, I might be scared, I might be sick, I might be this, but I am not wavering in terms of who God is in my life." And I think yeah. all of us independently have leaned into Him so much more mm-hmm. as a result of the trials um, for His glory and our yeah. good. You know? I, I
1: think that the 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 Buffalo image is, is perfect. It really what it is what it has been for us, yeah. knowing that. And he's in that herd with us. We just lean into it.
0: Thank you guys so much for taking your time and for blessing uh, listeners with it. We love you guys. We do. Mm. We're well, praying thank you. for you. Thank you. And we love that you're part of Grace Point. We love but being a part of the yeah, church too. It's been a blessing
1: for us, no doubt. Yeah, definitely. You guys came into our lives right around the time when we needed this. Well, we so, needed yeah. you too, and
0: so we're still praying. We're still in this together. And Um, you know, there's a, we have quite a few listeners from a bunch of different places, different churches. And uh, my prayer is that, uh, that they'll listen very carefully and closely Mm -hmm. and maybe rewind parts of of this podcast, because I think it's going to be really important to their development.
1: Great. Thank you.